We've all been raised on television to believe that one day we'd all be millionaires and movie gods and rock stars. But we won't. We're slowly learning that fact. And we're very, very pissed off. Sure. Let's do this. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I really thought uh, being unemployed uh, would make me, um, you know, get you know, get me all this time to podcast and do all this stuff. And I, you know, um, part of me it feels like, well, I've got this time. I should do things. I feel like, well, I should contribute to the household in terms of, you know, productivity. I can't just sit around and do nothing and, you know, make podcasts all day. I should do something. Uh, and then, you know, when you're, po- when you're, when you're, uh, not working, I find that I am not doing a lot. <laughs> You know, most of the time when I I come on the podcast, I'm like, hey, and and I'm doing this, and I got thoughts about that, and all this stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, man, I got nothing. Oh, yeah, sexy zipper sounds, that's right. Hey, you know, that is one of the, that maybe, you know what, maybe this is the other thing, is I have a reverse seasonal effective, effective, confectionery disorder where I get uninspired when the weather is nice, right? Like when the weather's crappy outside, you got nothing to do. I'm not going to do yard work. I'm not going to get up on the roof and do whatever. No, I'm going to sit, you know, I'm going to sit indoors, play some video games. Oh yeah, I know. That's another thing. Uh, You know, I know you heard on the last podcast, I was uh, extolling the virtues of uh, PlayStation Move and uh, the uh, Xbox Connect. Yep, a lot of that, a lot of that going on. You know, and it was funny because with most video games, you, there's no way to justify it, right? You just sit there and you play and you have a great time, but you can't, it's not like you're getting anything done. So you can't justify it to yourself to say, oh, I'm going to sit on the couch all day and just you know, play some video games. Listen here, see, I'm going to play some video games. And, but with the connect and the move, I mean, this is a workout, right? Like this is work. And uh, I mean, you're not cleaning, you're not getting, you know, there's nothing to really show for it. Uh, but y- you, you can justify it as exercise. So you're like, I'm bettering myself by, you know, leveling up. Uh, boy, that would be great if you could level up in life, you know, like if there was something that would keep track of it and you'd be like, I'm a level 32 exerciser or something. I don't know, but it would be nice. It would certainly, you know, I, and that's the other thing too, is like, everybody's like, oh, I run on the treadmill and I do the Stairmaster and I'm like, just the, just insanely boring. But boy, you put an achievement badge on that and I will play it. So anyway, all of those things stuffed together has made me feel a little uninspired, right? You know, I'm just like, oh, I could, uh, I could get it, I could talk about something, I suppose, I don't, well, I don't know, I just, uh, uh okay, so actually, um, you know, one of the things, though, that being unemployed does, uh, get me time to do is, um, I, wa- well, actually, no, I was watching a lot of movies when I was working, I'd load them on my iPhone, but, uh, in movie news, I just finished watching Mystery Team, which is a very funny movie, uh, starring Donald Glover from Community. He plays, um, 
Troy. He's the black guy on Community. He plays Troy. And uh, it's uh, him and two other guys, and they are a group called Derek Comedy. It was their comedy group that they were doing in college and then uh they make you know got some money together and make this movie and it's it is insanely professional looking for the budget that they must have had the the key to this is of course they have a really good uh cinematographer and cameraman and they do these just crazy tracking shots and rack focus and all those other film terms that you learned in film school type of things and the camera just flies around and you're just like where where do they get the money for this but it's very funny and the plot of the movie is um when uh, these three kids were seven, they decided to form their detective agency, and everybody in the neighborhood thought it was funny and cute, and now uh, they're 18, and it's not so funny and cute anymore. It's kind of just sort of sad and pathetic. Uh, but now they have their first real mystery. They need, they're uh, there to solve a murder, and um, there's... Uh, and and I have to say, in addition to this movie being really funny, it's got some. It's it's a pretty well written mystery in in terms of you know it, it honestly it held together more than most movies I've seen. Like in terms of the logic, and I actually watched it twice because I was drinking during one of the times I was watching it. So uh, I had forgotten some things. So I was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Eh, plot holes, I shall thwart you. And then, nope, sure enough, I went back, I watched it. Nope, it all makes sense. And not only is Donald Glover in it from Community, but he, um, I think he was working on 30 Rock. He was a writer on 30 Rock for a while, for those of you who don't know. Uh, by the way, if you're not watching 30 Rock and Community, ashamed. You should be ashamed of yourself, because those are the two best shows on television. Uh, and anyway, so he got a lot of great people. He got, um, the guy who plays uh, Lutz, uh, he got Aubrey Plaza from uh, 30 Rock to be in it. Uh, he got Matt Walsh from the Upright Citizens Brigade. Uh, oh, and by the way, um, we just uh, took a trip to Los Angeles. Hey, there was something new. I can talk about that. Uh, we went to, boy, podcasting is so amazing because without it, I wouldn't know what to have done in Los Angeles, but uh, they have the UCB Theater. There's one in Los Angeles now. There's now two in New York, and um, uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade, for those of you who don't know, uh, was originally a, um, a sketch comedy team that came out of Chicago. They were tired of working at the uh, Second City because uh, Second City is kind of weird. They have a, um, they have a sketch show which they is predominantly old sketches, which is such a weird idea. But I guess there are so many tourists now who know about Second City that they'll just go and, and, and the turnover is so great that, you know, most people, you know, it's, it's going to be a new audience every week. So they'll go, you know, and, and they'll, I don't know how often they change the sketches, but a lot of those sketches are 20 years old, you know, 30 years old. They were written by the original Saturday Night Live people or, you know, people who have been on Saturday Night Live, you know, 10 years ago. And then every once in a while, a new sketch will dribble in. And that usually comes from the improv show that they have after that. Uh, but anyway, so the, the gang at the UCB, or who started the UCB, was at Second City, and they were like, ah, I don't want to do this. I mean, it's the same, same old sketches over and over again. I want to write something. I want to do something new. 
And uh, yeah, Second City was like, no, we're not doing that. We'd rather just have the old tried and true. So it's like, all right. So they went off to do their own sketch uh, thing. And then I believe they might have started in New York where they were doing sketch and improv and whatnot. Anyway, so now they have three theaters uh, in the country, uh, two in New York, one in Los Angeles. And it's great. Um, it's five bucks a show. Uh, we, the one we went to, uh, Doug Loves Movies, which is free, uh, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, and the, and the, you know, almost every show there is $5, so it's super affordable. They barely make any money off on the, on this place. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, a, a wide variety of stuff. You could go seven days a week and it's all different. Some of it's sketch, some of it's stand up, some of it's, just weird off the wall stuff. And this is one of the good things about not living in Los Angeles actually or New York is because I'd probably be there 7 days a week. So, um we uh were there uh one of the days that they tape the podcast Doug Loves Movies and of course being free, I was like, "Yeah, man, I'd love to see that live. Let's go." So, I thought that if you bought tickets to Comedy Death Ray, that guaranteed you a place in Doug Love's movies. Not so. So, um, we got there, and we, we were almost not going to get in. I think they had, like, two seats left. And so, we were like, yeah. And so, we marched right in there, and she's like, yeah, you guys are going to have to sit on opposite ends of the stage. Not off the stage, sit on the stage, but across from each other. So it was, it was really neat, uh, but also very strange because, I mean, it's neat that they have so much faith in the audience that they're not going to fuck with people while they're trying to do a podcast or a show or whatever that we're just sitting on the stage. So it was a little odd because um, I'm sitting directly behind Doug Benson. And it was kind of funny too, because it was like, Hey, the whole reason I want to go is because I want to see this live. But it's it's still it's not really seeing it live. I'm behind it, seeing it live. So I'm seeing it, you know, like it's like being in theater in the round. But it was kind of cool because um, it's uh, I, I I Doug Benson was wrestling with his jacket and trying to talk on the mic, you know, at the same time. And the and the and so I reached up and I grabbed, you know, like when you would help a lady off with her jacket. So I help him off with it. And of course, not expecting this at all. And he's like, whoa, what are you doing back? There? Of course, he's Doug Benson is, you know, consummate stoner. So, you know, hey, what are you doing back there? So, um, so I, it was fun. You know, I got a big laugh from the audience. And, uh, and then that was it for the rest of the show for me. But anyway, so if you want to hear that podcast, uh, it was, it was kind of sucked a little bit because uh, I was hoping for like, you know, comedian comedians. And instead, we got two guys from 311 because Doug, uh, they, 311 has a boat trip that they do. I don't understand. It's the 311 cruise where the fans and then they play. And then so Doug and this other guy, uh, Graham Elwood, they were the opening. I guess they were the opening entertainment for this show. Anyway, so it was two guys from 311 and Graham Elwood were the guests. So anyway, if you want to hear... Uh, Doug's reaction to me trying to help him off with his coat, uh, go on iTunes and uh, download the Peanut, Graham Elwood, and whatever that other guy's name is from uh, 311. 
So anyway, that was, uh, oh, oh, yeah, wait, I forgot to tell you the, the Matt Besser thing. So Matt Besser, so the, the, the Comedy Death Ray Radio, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Comedy Death Ray is a, uh, another show that that the one that comes right after Doug Loves Movies and uh, it was it was it was pretty good. Um, it it was uh, it's it, the particular time we saw it. It was a mix of sketch and stand up. So they'd do a sketch and then uh, you know a stand up would come out and do five minutes and um, and oh and I'll tell you my favorite joke from that. And the super uh, one of the things I really love are jo- are thinky jokes like jokes w- that make like a scientific reference or some like obscure historical reference, but I'll know the reference, but I know not everybody else does. And I almost like it when 25% of the room gets it and then everybody else is kind of confused. That makes me laugh even harder because it's like, I don't know, I feel like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm in on the, like, like it's a super secret joke and yet I got it well enough. So anyway, so, um, uh, I can't remember the stand-up's name, but uh, he had the joke of, um, uh, I know this guy who's really into science, uh, and he loves science so much, he got uh, an Adam tattooed on his arm, which is kind of a stupid tattoo, because it was really small. And I said, you know, if you love science um, so much... Uh, why don't you get uh, 6.012 times 10 to the 23rd power tattooed on your arm? Oh, no, wait, that's a mole. That would be bad. It might be cancerous. That's a thinker. That's a thinker right there because uh, 6.0, I think it's 6.012 is uh, times 10 to the 23rd power. It's a scientific mole. So if you have that many uh, molecules. It's either that many molecules or that many atoms. That's considered a mole. Uh, I think it's a gas, actually, is what it is. It's a, a mole of gas. Anyway, I, I n- understood that joke just enough to get it. But the fact that he had to set it up with the atom joke, which was also pretty solid, I loved it. Anyway, oh, Matt Besser. Right, I keep saying that. Uh, Matt Besser, who is one of the original founding members of Upright Citizens Brigade and the Upright Citizens Brigade Theaters, uh, he is obsessed with letters to the editor in the newspaper. And I'm not talking about, you know, New York Times letters to the editor, where they get, like, you know, uh, former presidents to write letters to the editor and esteemed authors. No, he likes, you know, Chicago Sun-Times, where it's predominantly crazy cranks who uh, write angry letters to the editor. And, of course, the ones he really, really likes are the ones where they are complaining about stupid crap. Like, all the examples he had were uh, they changed the magazine section of the newspaper to glossy and which means that it was very hard to do the uh, uh, crossword puzzle in pencil because you know unless you're super super hardcore you don't do it in pen you do it in pencil and so there were a lot of so he had I don't know 15, 20 articles and he only read like six of them or, or letters I should say from people who were pissed about this and it was great. It was it was so great. Um, I, you know, and the fact that you can take something so idiotic and make it great is even greater than that. 
Now, I know everybody who is hearing this and who is not a total comedy nerd like myself is like, who? Matt? Matt who? I don't know. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know. I don't care. And it's just like, yeah, okay. In order to really appreciate, you know, Largo at the Coronet or the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater or all these things, yes, you do have to be a comedy nerd. And that's why the internet is awesome. And that's why podcasts are awesome is because there's a ton of great stuff out there for for, uh, comedy nerds. So uh, if you're a comedy nerd, man, get on it. There's a ton of great stuff out there. And speaking of theater stuff, uh, we got a call from uh, two of our good friends who said, oh, we have tickets to Rock of Ages, which is a, um, it's one of these, uh, we took a bunch of rock songs and we made a musical out of it uh, shows. So, uh, you know, except this is not one um composer. So they they went back into the 80s and they cherry-picked songs and sort of loosely wrote this story around it to try and, you know, uh, leverage the, uh, I almost knocked over my water there, leverage uh, these rock songs and, and then, of course, try and get the rights to use them. The super-duper ironic part of it is, is they could not get any Def Leppard songs for the show, and the show is called Rock of Ages, which is uh, playing off of the name to the very, very popular uh, Def Leppard song, uh, Rock of Ages, from the 80s. So, uh, they even announced that in the very beginning of the show. They were like, please don't sing any Def Leppard songs if you're in the audience because we couldn't get the rights to any of it. Oh, and in terms of the show itself, it's okay. Um, I mean, you know, if you enjoy yourself some glee on television, which I am not of that camp because I would rather just, you know, see the people, the original artists do the songs. I don't want to hear a chorus of people doing a crappy version of my song. Like, if you could tell me, like, oh, these songs are better than the original, or they're a different take on the original, then yeah, okay, I'd be into Glee, but they're not. They're, um, you know, up with people, or or just a chorus of people singing a kind of musact, mellowed out version of it. It's kind of like when, um, oh, uh, Pat Boone used to do uh, Chubby Checkers, or not Chubby Checkers songs, yeah, right. Uh, Little Rich, uh, yeah, Little Richard songs. And he would kind of, you know, homogenize it for the white folks of the 50s. And it's a little bit like that. But the story was good. I mean, not great, but good. And uh, the guy from American Idol, speaking of homogenized uh, white bread, was actually really good as uh, the lead. Constantine was the one that we got and, ironically, was not one of the winners. And this is this is how you know American Idol is rigged, because none of the winners ever go on to anything. I think I've spoken about this before, so I'll keep it brief. Basically, the theory behind American Idol is, we'll narrow it down to, like, three good people, and uh, they will... They will win in opposite order of their talent. And the reason for that is, is because... Uh, the higher up you are as the winner, the more of a bump you get in album sales just by de facto of being the winner. So if you're second place, 
you don't need the the bump as much because you've actually got more talent. And the guy who actually wins is not as good, but needs the bump in sales. So we're going to make him the winner. And then this goes, you know, Jennifer Hudgens and, and Constantine and Daughtry and all these people who didn't win, who have way bigger careers than, um, Oh, that, uh, that fat black guy or, uh, the Soul Patrol guy or the Taylor something. I don't know. Uh, so Kelly Clarkson's really the only one. And the reason why she's the only one is because this is before they realized what was going on. Cause she was season one. If she had been on any of those other seasons, she would have been second or third because it's a conspiracy. Yeah, right. Like who gives a shit? It's American Idol. It's not like, you know, anything important. So, oh, anyway, speaking of uh, Rock of Ages, uh, you know, it's it's basically uh, the the play takes, uh, um, you know, is based on L.A. in the 80s, you know, when rock and roll was king and the Sunset Strip was buzzing with music and all this stuff. And uh, it's um, it, it, it's great because they've got a lot of great rock songs in there. But then they slip in a little Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. Now, look, I don't mind putting in a power ballad in there from a legitimate rock band. But, you know, to to crowbar in some I can't fight this feeling anymore, no good. I object, sir. No, sir. I shall say nay to your Ario Speedwagon. And speaking of which, now, I have seen Ario Speedwagon live. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Miriam and I, we like to go to the county fair every year and see the cheesy uh, has-been rock band. Well, they're not always cheesy, but they are definitely has-been. So we saw Night Ranger one year. It was very good. We saw Rick Springfield another year. Very good. And we saw REO Speedwagon. Now, the key to these has-been shows is... Play the hits, right? That's all we care about. That's all we want is play the hits. So a Night Ranger gets up. Uh, they go, I want to say, 45 minutes before playing any of the hits. They have four hits. I don't need you to play all of them up front. I need you to play one. It doesn't have to be Sister Christian, which is the big one, which is the one they trot out at the encore. I need a, you know, don't tell me you love me. You can still rock in America. Give me one of those. Nope, 45 minutes. And they played, they played some other, you know, they played Secret of My Success, which was a, a minor hit from them. Okay, fine. Still, you got four hits, great. So then, uh, Rick Springfield, we saw, who's got a ton of hits. He had like maybe six hits, seven hits. And he didn't play anything we didn't know. Just all the way through, just one hit after another. He might have played one song that we didn't really recognize from some movie soundtrack or whatever. But he was great. He walked through the audience. And when I say through the audience, I don't mean down the aisles. I mean literally putting his feet on people's seats and walking through the audience. He picked people out of the audience to sing, you know, parts of the songs. Just fantastic. Great. Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield also... 60 years old and is in way better shape than I am in now, okay? So, uh, we should clone him and uh, make some more, except he did beat up his wife, so uh, maybe we could just cut that part out of his brain. We'll know how to do that once we get to the point of uh, the, the, when we get to uh, cloning to that level. We can just excise those parts out of your personality, sure. 
But then, Ario Speedwagon. Two hits, right? I can't fight this feeling, and that other one. I can't remember what it is. Ario Speedwagon <laughs> did... It was was bizarre, right? So, first of all, he comes out, and he's... he. Okay, so first of all, they did the absolute cardinal foul of a has-been show. Hey, everybody! We got, we're going to play something off the new album right now. Really? New album, huh? No, nobody cares. We don't want new album. We want the hits. The, the two hits. Just play them on a loop over and over again. And it was funny because we were in the back because we got there kind of late. And uh, it's dark in there. I mean, not to say that they had sold the place out because the, the tickets are free. If you have park admission, the $7 park admission, I am not kidding, you can get in free to the show. But we came in late and so we, we sat in the back and we just saw the stream of people leaving whenever he said, this is off our new album. And then he comes, he has the balls to... Um, you know, he comes out and um, he says, uh, oh, uh, you know, you hear all these sappy love songs and I wrote this song because uh, this is the way love really is and it's not all about, oh, how I love you. And then they play the song. Sure enough, the next song is, I can't fight this feeling anymore. It's like, yeah, dude, you you are the the guy you are just shitting on. So don't tell me that love songs are all a lie, because you profited off that lie, bastard. Oh, but, uh, so uh, we were having dinner with the nice people who uh, gave us the tickets uh, to go see Rock of Ages, and uh, I got to hear this uh, great story about a guy uh, she dated one time uh, who had some bad venison, and uh, they were going to go see the movie High Fidelity. And he, they, they went out to dinner first, and then they went back to, their, to her place, in which he shit in her toilet, which is where you do that sort of thing, and then farted up her balcony, even though it was like, you know, 60 degrees outside, 50 degrees. And, he, and it was great because she said he tried to like hermetically seal himself. He tried to uh, hermetically seal his uh, ass out through the sliding glass door into their balcony, but closed the door around him because it was cold outside. It's not like it's, it's so bizarre. Like, it's not like he just went out to the balcony to go fart it up. He was like, well, it's cold outside. I don't think I'll go. I just, well, and I'd like to engage them in conversation. So I will stand here and wedge myself in this door and that won't seem weird at all. And uh, so then they go to the movie. The movie was High Fidelity and continues to fart up the movie High Fidelity. And, oh, no, he, he, I'm sorry, he had the shit again at the theater and then came in and farted his way all the way through High Fidelity. I thought that was the, one of the most hilarious ideas uh, ever. And, of course, I was with a bunch of girls and they didn't find it funny at all. So... I will now leave it up to you. So I didn't think this was uh, uh, worthy enough of a whole sketch on its own, but I thought it was a silly enough idea, so we would just uh, listen to it now. Uh, this is a guy 
This is a guy farting his way through watching the movie High Fidelity, starring John Cusack. Enjoy. My desert island. All time. Top five most memorable breakups in chronological order are as follows. Alison Ashmore, Penny Hardwick, Jackie Alden, Charlie Nicholson, and Sarah Kendrew. Those were the ones that really hurt. Can you see your name on that list? Maybe you'd sneak into the top ten. But there's just no room for you in the top five. Sorry. Those places are reserved for the kind of humiliation and heartbreak you're just not capable of delivering. So uh, we just had uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses come to the door. And um, uh, one of the nice things about having a dog is uh, I'm pretty sure she scared him away. Yeah. Um, You know, the woman handed me a thing and the dog started barking again. I think that woman would have tried to talk to me a little bit if I hadn't had the dog. So, uh, yeah, bonus, getting the dog, scaring away uh, religious folk. And by the way, I've noticed a lot of African-Americans, Jehovah's Witnesses, I knew a guy in high school who was one. Uh, By the way, worst religion ever, right? Because the whole benefit to religion is presence, and they don't believe in gifts. I suppose Taoism's the same way, same problem. Uh, But boy, what a bummer, right? Like, our friend in high school, like, no birthday parties, no gifts, nothing. Just, just a, you gotta be a real, just, just a real downer of a person to pick that as your religion, right? Because Jehovah's Witnesses, I think they're all just, you know, uh, Christian in some sense. Dude, go pick any of them. Pick, you know, pick Baptist. At least they're the funnest, right? There's always that singing and carrying on and whatnot, or the, or the evangelical, not the evangelicals. There's another one. There's a place in San Francisco where they got like a dude dancing on their church. And I'm just like, yeah, man, that seems like fun. And in Charlie Sheen news, uh, so in order to, uh, again, uh, sort of frame this in the uh, historical context of which it's in, uh, Charlie Sheen, still crazy, um, still ranting, but now it's, uh, the tide has turned on Mr. Sheen. Uh, winner, winner, Sheen dinner. Uh, I, oh, by the way, I'm still saying winner. Uh, to people in grocery stores and whatnot. I say winning. They say, oh, how are you? Winning. Uh, and some people get it, some people don't. It's, it's interesting, uh, who gets it and who don't. Uh, but anyway, so now, Charlie, I still, I am not tired of Charlie Sheen. I love it. I love all the craziness. And in fact, I'm a little disappointed that the craziness seems to be waning. He seems to be getting himself together a little bit and getting a little more normal. Um, one of the things, though, I have heard about cocaine is that it, it gives you delusions of grandeur, like it it blasts out your self-esteem in like a crazy way, which would totally make sense based on everything Charlie Sheen has said. Things like, um, I've been banging seven gram rocks like a rock star or like however, and then going on saying that, you know, you can't handle what my mind is spewing out. But So anyway, he just tried to launch a live show where he does funny things, I guess, maybe, I don't know. And then, uh, and then, uh, he takes questions from the crowd and, and, and what was so great about it. Here's the best part about it is, uh, it initially had 
phenomenal ticket sales. Like, he was selling places out super, super fast. Then it came to light that uh, they were all from scalpers. You know, it was just the scalpers scooping up the tickets, thinking this was going to be the next big ticket, which how dumb do you have to be to be that scalper? I mean, it makes sense when, you know, the Chicago Bulls are, uh, you know, in the finals. Yeah, okay, sure. Jordan, uh, Pippen, you know, in their heyday. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll scoop up those tickets. But for an untested quantity of a guy who has overexposed himself to the media, you're really going to snap that? A guy who has zero history of doing live theater or whatever this is? Really? You're going to snap up those tickets? But anyway, good. Screw you, scalpers. I hate you. You suck. You're just as bad as the, as the worst, you know, uh, pimp or uh, drug dealer. All right, maybe not as bad as drug dealers, but they're, you're bad guys, right? You know, it's not like you, uh, uh, you know, s- uh, sit around and just be like, oh, I sorry, man, I can't use this ticket. You want to buy it off of me and then they resell it. No, you're the douches who cut in line in front of everybody else and scoop up all the good seats and then resell them for 20 times face value. You suck. I hate you. You deserve to get screwed on this. Stupid scalpers. So anyway, after the uh, first show uh, just tanked miserably, uh, he there are rumors now that he'd really like to come back to Two and a Half Men. Oh, so uh, for those of you who are friends with me on Facebook, you've probably already seen this, and I hate to end the show on a bummer, but I, I think it is worth mentioning. Um, uh, so one of the guys who, uh, wrote the TV show, the Justice League, uh, died, um, two months ago, three months ago, something like that. His name is Dwayne McDuffie and he died from complications after, or even during, I'm not really sure, a surgery. And just a little bit about Dwayne McDuffie. Um, he was, uh, he wrote, he had written comic books, uh, for a while, uh, and, uh, he got hired on, I think, during the second year of the Justice League. Um, uh, and a- anytime I saw his name in the credits, I was like, yeah, here's a little bit of the, the theme song. Uh, great, the- oh god, great theme song, by the way. Uh, you know, one of the things before we continue with, uh, Mr. McDuffie, um, the great thing about those guys uh, who wrote this show was uh, they would thoroughly admit when they had when the fans hated something that they did, which was fantastic. Like normally, guys are like, oh, "We're not talking about it." But uh, if you if you watch any of the their stuff uh, on DVD, they do commentary tracks on some of the shows. But what's interesting is is I think almost across the board they do the commentary on the shows that the fans universally hated and it's really interesting to hear them talk about like oh yeah, fans hated this and oh here's another thing we screwed up on and and so um, this this theme song got changed when they went from Justice League to Justice League Unlimited so they could write uh, stories not just about the six members of the Justice League, but they could pick from anybody in the DC universe to write shows about. It was a good move, but a sucky move to change this theme song because this, this is an Emmy-nominated theme song, man. This is a kick-ass, stirring, like, you know, not since the days of uh, the West Wing uh, have you heard such a, you know, rousing theme song. Anyway, what I was saying about Dwayne McDuffie is, uh, anytime you saw his name in the credits, you knew it was going to be a good episode. 
And um, the I, I do have a quick audio example of, uh, of something that he did. It's it's kind of goofy when you hear it out of context uh, because uh, it involves a, a, a long-standing DC character, Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy is um, basically you remember him from the old uh, uh, Challenge of the Super Friends, which is another problem, and I think I've said this before uh, about uh, the Justice League. And, and even when I posted this on Facebook that Dwayne McDuffie had uh, passed away, uh, I got somebody wrote me back and it was like oh yeah i have one of these shows on uh on uh, on my iphone for my kid and i'm like i write her back and i'm like yeah that's a bad idea because uh you know what you're probably thinking of challenge of the super friends no 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 justice league uh has an episode where aquaman cuts off his hand to save his only son okay th- th- this is not something you should be showing your three-year-old and she's like oh yeah right mm. oh dumbasses anyway uh yeah so he was so this is the great this is the great thing about uh the justice league was they took a steaming pile of shit uh like a challenge of the super friends and they basically made it cool i mean yes obviously they stood on the shoulders of all those guys you know frank miller and all those guys who made all those campy dc comics cool by you know making the dark knight and all these like super gritty stories uh but they took i mean they these guys <laughs> went so far as to say like we are gonna take zan and Jaina and make them cool which they did we're gonna take all those racially insensitive superheroes like uh uh, uh black vulcan and um apache chief and all those guys and we're gonna make them cool and they did and uh, that's why one of the great reasons why that show was so freaking awesome so anyway um the the clip i pulled um and and to just uh sort of talk about you know how just how great the show was because not only i mean you would watch this show and you'd be like okay a they are doing way more adult styled themed shows uh than anybody else is doing on television but they're doing it on something that's theoretically supposed to be a kids network with kids you know properties and kids superheroes and um so anyway so in this this is uh from the uh a tv and this is an episode of the justice league uh, uh, it's called uh, Terror Beyond uh, from season two. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie was not on the show in season one, but he was on in season two. And um, it, uh, it involves um, uh, Hawkgirl who is fighting this god and she doesn't believe in God. And so she's kind of wrestling with that problem because she's with Wonder Woman who obviously prays uh, pray, 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 uh, gives praise to, you know, she's created from the gods, so obviously she believes in gods, and uh, Solomon Grundy, who is looking for his soul, and so he's trying to deal with his own sort of, uh, you know, and Solomon Grundy's a zombie that got raised from the dead, so obviously he believes in the afterlife or something, so she's trying to wrestle with her own uh, theology here. So Solomon Grundy um, has gone on this quest with everybody, uh, even though they're not usually, uh, you know, he's not a good guy. And uh, he, he's going with them, though, to stop this thing coming through the portal because he wants to get his soul back. And he believes if he does this, he will. And um, so 
he has done, you know, he's, he's just about to die and Hawk Girl comes over to him and, you know, tries to get him to not die and, and just to hang on a little bit because the bad guy's almost dead. And so this is, this is a, a, an episode obviously written by Dwayne McDuffie. Probably not the best. I mean, it's a great example, especially if you see the whole show. Um, there might be better dialogue I could have pulled from, but honestly, I'm kind of lazy and it would seem silly to spend, you know, hundreds of hours not cleaning the house and looking for Dwayne McDuffie clips. <laughs> but anyway, I hope you get a sense for what this show tried to do, what Dwayne McDuffie tried to do, and uh, how he will be uh, remembered and missed uh, in the comic book community. I'm here. Uh, Grundy thinks he is going away now. No, just hang on. Do you think Grundy's soul is waiting for him? Grundy, I don't believe... Yes, it's waiting for you. Then Grundy gets his reward. Now, sadly enough... um, (laughs) <laughs> Dwayne McDuffie actually went on to do some other things that were not as good as the Justice League, but I don't care. I'm going to remember him. You know, I'm this, this his work on this show gets him a free pass forever, right? Well, obviously, uh, and I don't care. Uh, he he really shaped that show into something great. You know, it's like uh, they were talking on uh, The Sound of Young America. They were saying that uh, Bobby Moynihan's performance in Mystery Team, the movie I mentioned earlier, and uh, it gives him, you know, Jesse was saying, oh, that gives me a free pass with him. Doesn't matter how many crap movies he does in the future. I, I, he, he gets a free pass for me. For me, uh, this, you know, this show for Dwayne McDuffie or uh, Tropic Thunder for Ben Stiller, Free pass. I don't care how many fuck you movies you do in the future. Uh, go fuck yourself, little motherfuckers. I don't care uh, because Tropic Thunder uh, gives you a free pass. And uh, unfortunately, Dwayne did uh, his last effort. Uh, it was a, a, a direct-to-DVD uh, animated movie called All-Star Superman, which... I'm not really sure why they called it that. Um, it seems like the reason why they did is because, A, there's no through line. There's no story, per se, to the thing. It's just like, we learn in the first two minutes Superman is dying, and then the rest of the movie is him just going like, oh, I have the bottle city of Candor. I'm going to just go fly this away to some other planet. Oh, hey, look, uh, long lost uh, Krypton survivors. Oh, oh, you're dying too. Uh, you know, it's like there's no story there. Uh, although some a very creepy uh, character design for the villain Parasite. So if you guys are into comic books at all, 
Yeah, don't watch it. It's not good. There's so many other things out there. Uh, under Batman Under the Red Hood is better. Still, even that was not great. Uh, the direct-to-DVD uh, Green Lantern. Oh, and the Green Lantern, the live-action Green Lantern looks so good. So uh, I guess I will be talking about that in May when it comes out. Okay. Well, Dwayne McDuffie, uh, you will be missed. And so from Dwayne McDuffie, from me, from the music of Bright Brown and Tyler Durden, and hoping that my seasonal effectiveness disorder does not slow me down, let's do this one more time! Till then! Till then!